referee. There's so many messages we could have preached tonight that I've thought about, but God that put this on my heart, I trust that the Lord will use it to be a blessing. And uh, we, we are celebrating Easter. The world, the world does, they celebrate Easter, but the world doesn't understand. Amen. I mean, to the world, you know, a lot of it's Easter eggs and the Easter bunny, but there's even a religious celebration at this time of the year. And, uh, but most of them do not understand what the death and the burial of the Lord Jesus and his resurrection was all about. It's the power of God unto salvation. It's the gospel. And here tonight in Luke chapter number 23, I want to begin reading in verse number 27. And we'll read from verse 27. If you'd like to stand, you may. Chapter 23, verse number 27. The Bible said, And there followed him a great company of people and of women which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and the hills cover us. Now that day's not happened yet, but it's going to happen in the tribulation. Jesus said in verse 31, for if they do these things in a green tree, what should be done in the dry? And there were also two other male factors led with him to be put to death. Now they're being led with him. You know, oftentimes I've preached this and I've had, and sometimes I get ahead of myself, you know, as you're preaching. And I'd have the two male factors already hanging there when they brought Jesus to be crucified. But that's not the way it happened. The Bible said that there were also two other male factors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, Luke 23, 33, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the male factors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Now remember, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Yeah, and you say, Brother Buster, was Jesus, was his request granted? Did, did, was what the, Lord, did, what the Lord said to the Father when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, was it granted? But what about the day of Pentecost when 3,000 of them got saved? I believe a lot of these right here that were involved in the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus were among those that right here, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. The people stood beholding. The rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription was also written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. You can be seated tonight. With the help of the Lord, I want us to go back to verse number 33. And uh, I want to use the word tonight, Calvary. C-A-L-V-A-R-Y, seven letters in that word Calvary, and I want to take each letter of that tonight, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, as quickly as I can, just go back over what the Lord went through at Calvary. Yeah. The Bible said, when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. Now, as we bring the message tonight, 
I want you to think about this is what the Old Testament saints had been looking forward to for years and years and years. All the Levitical offerings and, and, and the great day of atonement and, and all of those things pointed to the coming day of the Lord Jesus. I jotted this down. Someone has made the statement that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And there's a lot of truth in that right there. As you go back in the Old Testament, you could go to Genesis 22, and you could see the sacrifice of the Son as it was typified in Abraham and Isaac. You could go back to Exodus chapter 12 and see the shedding of the blood. How they took that little lamb and slew it and put the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel. That's a picture of the shedding of the blood that portrayed what Christ was going to do at Calvary. Numbers chapter 21, there's a symbol of the cross. That's when Moses took that brazen serpent, put it on a pole and lifted it up above his head. And whosoever would look, all they had to do was look to that brazen Raising serpents, uh, they would be healed. Uh, and that's a symbol of the cross. Uh, Psalms 22, if you go back and look at that psalm, uh, it's a picture of the suffering uh, of the Savior in Psalms 22. And then in Isaiah 53, uh, there is a picture of the substitute uh, of the Lord Jesus, how he subst- a substitutionary death. He took our sins uh, and he was bruised for our iniquities. Uh, The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. uh, And thank God that he bore that in his own body that we could be saved by the grace of God. Now, to me, uh, and sometimes I'm afraid that we have got it. We've gotten used to the message of the cross. And it's the central theme of all the Bible. I mean, it's what the Bible is all about, friend, around the cross. And it's the power of God unto salvation. Solomon said this in Proverbs 25, 25, As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. I tell you, friend, when I heard the gospel and realized Jesus took my place in died for me it was like cold waters to a thirsty soul it was good news from a far country hallelujah and i'm glad tonight that he was willing to become our substitute you know as brother harold mentioned a while ago why in the world would god even get involved with the likes of us why would god love wicked sinners who took his name in vain, cursed his son, used his name as the tag, end of a curse word. Why would God love us? I tell you, the only thing I know, it must be grace. It must be the amazing grace of God. Hey, we didn't deserve salvation. We didn't merit salvation. And we really didn't have anything to offer God. But a life full of sin and and wickedness and just a life headed to hell. But he took joy in dying for the sinner. I'm telling you that. Now, I want you to take the letter C. If you want to jot these things down, you can. If you have a pencil and a piece of paper. And the letter C tonight in the, the word of Calvary. I want that to stand tonight for the continuous 
trail of blood. The continuous trail of blood that runs from the book of Genesis all the way to Calvary. Now, a lot of people, uh, they only see this uh, from the birth of the Lord right. to the cross. Right. Uh, I'm going to tell you something, friend. Uh, there was the shedding of blood all through that Old Testament. There's a scarlet thread, a crimson thread of blood that ran from the Old Testament all the way to the New. Yeah, yeah. Now, I understand that, that the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer could never take away sin. All they did, as it were, was to renew the note year after year after year. But, oh, friend, there's a continuous trail of blood that found in this Bible. I thought about the verse in Genesis 3.15 when God said, I'll put enmity there in the garden after the serpent had beguiled Eve and Eve ate of that forbidden fruit she gave to Adam. And the reason I believe Adam ate, Adam loved Eve so much. Adam was willing to step down from his position. He wanted to be with his bride and his wife so much. He took of that forbidden fruit. Their eyes were open. You remember the story? And God said, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head. That is the seed of the woman. And he said, and thou, that's the seed of the serpent, shall bruise his heel. There God made a declaration that there was going to be a continuous a trail of blood. And there was coming a day from the seed of the woman that there was going to come forth one that would crush the head of the serpent. Now you know what happens in, in Genesis chapter 4? Right after God said that, you'll find Adam knew Eve and she brought forth a son and she named him Cain. And then she had another son and she named him Abel. I believe when the devil saw Eve give birth to Cain, he probably thought that's the promised seed right there. And then Abel was born and then he said, I just don't know which one it is now. And you know what happened? You remember how Abel brought a bloody sacrifice. He brought a lamb and laid it upon the altar. And God accepted Abel's sacrifice but Cain was the first modernist. And Cain brought of the fruits of the ground as an offering unto God. What he had wrought with his own hands. God had respect unto Abel's offering, but not unto Cain. And you know what the devil did? The devil recognized that probably the promised seed would come through Abel. So you know what he did? He put it in the mind of Cain to rise up against his brother and kill him. And it happened. I'm telling you, you talk about a dysfunctional family friend, a brother murdered another brother. But you know what happened? The Bible said in Genesis 4.25 that 
that Adam knew Eve again and she brought forth another son and called his name Seth. And the word Seth means a substitute. You see, the devil thought he'd won the victory right there in the garden, but God let her bring forth another son and his name was Seth. You've got to stay with me now. And then the devil's watching this and watching this. And then in the days of Noah, in Genesis chapter number 6, the devil had so corrupted men's minds and hearts that God said, I'm going to destroy the entire human race. I'm going to wipe it out. But thank God in Genesis 6, 8, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And you understand it was through Noah that that promised seed was preserved. I mean, the devil thought he'd won the victory right there. And if God wiped out the entire human race, then they would never... Be the deliverer. The one that would crush his head would never be born. But God preserved that seed. And then in Isaac, Genesis chapter 22. I mean, all of this was wrapped up in Isaac. I mean, it came down to one man right there. And the devil heard what God told Abraham. I'll give you a son in your old age. And I'll make that covenant with him. And through him shall come the Messiah one day. And the devil watched there on Mount Moriah as Abraham took Isaac and laid him on that altar. And Abraham got ready to bring that knife down on Isaac. I believe the devil was somewhere rubbing his little greedy hands. And he said, God's done lost his mind. He's going to kill the one whom the promised seed shall come from. I'm glad God had a ram over there in the thicket caught by its horns. And God spared Isaac. And the seed line was preserved. You know what I got to read? Hey, David... David, it was through David, friend, that, that the seed line of the Lord Jesus was to come. And you know what Saul did on two different occasions? King Saul took a javelin and tried to pierce it through David and pierce him to the wall. God protected David. God watched over David. Because it was through David's loins that the seed line was going to come one day. Hey, there's a continuous trail of blood all the way through that Old Testament. And if you'll study your Bible real closely in Second Chronicles, I read this this afternoon, chapter 21, verse 4. Chapter 21, verse 16. It got down to where it was one man. Just one man was carrying the promise of the seed in his loins. And in Second Chronicles chapter number 22, verse 11 through verse number 12, it was one man for six years. I mean, he had no children, and it got down to one man. Are you hearing me? Not a family, not a nation, but just one man. But oh, thank God, God preserved that that heritage, and God preserved that godly seed line from which the Lord Jesus was going to come one day. I like that friend. I'm glad God was able to keep that genealogy going on and on and on until Christ was born. And I promise you the devil thought many, many times that he had the victory. 
I got to looking over there this evening in Luke chapter number 1. You've read this many times. But in verse number 26, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Do you see it? He had to be of the lineage of King David and Joseph was. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, there it is, looky, looky. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Amen. And that Bible said that she, and the Bible said he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And that's yet to come too, friend. That'll happen during the millennial reign after the tribulation. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. There so also also that holy thing which shall be born to thee shall be called the Son of God. I'm glad for four thousand years. Through that Old Testament, friend, yeah. from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to Luke chapter number 1, God preserved that seed, a continuous trail of blood, and the Son of God was conceived in the womb of a virgin. Amen. Isaiah already prophesied that some 700 years before Christ was born, and said, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. Hallelujah. I'm glad Jesus arrived arrived on time and, and I believe the little devils reported into Papa Devil and, and said we've got trouble. We thought we'd destroyed the seed line. We had it down to one man for six long years and somehow he lived and now we've heard that Jesus has been conceived in the womb of a virgin by the name of Mary and the devil set out friend. The devil set out are you hearing me? He sure did. He set out to destroy. You know what happened? The wise men came. You know that story. The wise men came. And after that Christ was born. And they came to, 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 there, to the city. And they came to Herod and said, Where is he that's born king of the Jews? Herod didn't have the slightest idea. He began to ask his men. And they said, He'll be born in this situation here. 
Have you told the wise men when you found him, come and tell me so I can worship him? Herod had no intentions of worshiping Christ. He would have killed him if he could have found him. And when the wise men came, they bowed down and gave their gifts. And the Bible distinctly says, and they went home another way. Amen. If you ever see him, if you ever meet him, you'll go home another way, friend. Hallelujah. And old Herod got so mad. Herod made a declaration. And he said every child two years old and younger, he put every baby boy, every baby girl, every child from two years old and under, he put them to death. You know what he was trying to do? The devil was working through Herod to destroy, to destroy the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand that? Hey, the battle of all battles is now raging. For 4,000 years, it had been in a nation and through the tribe of Judah and through that nationality there. But now, it's with the person of Christ himself as a continuous trail of blood. You know what? Thank God he showed up. And he was birthed. And I'm telling you, for 33, or excuse me, 30 years he grew up. And then he came walking down the Jordan River one day. And there's a wild man by the name of John the Baptist. He is out there baptizing in the River Jordan and saying, repent, repent, repent. And he said, you generation of vipers. He said, bring forth some fruit that's meat for repentance. And all of a sudden I see somebody pull the cane brakes back and so Someone stepped out into that water. I believe Jordan said, oh my, I feel the Creator stepping in here. I believe the tadpoles and the bullfrogs and the catfish and the brim said the Son of God has just stepped on the premises. And old John said, I have needs to be baptized of thee. Jesus said, John, you suffered to be so that all Scripture might be fulfilled. And John took the Son of God and laid him down. He didn't sprinkle him, but he laid him down and brought him up. And when Jesus come up out of that water, there's a dove, the Spirit of God, that came down from heaven and lit and abode upon the shoulder of the Son of God. And the next day, the Bible said, John saw Jesus coming. And John said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. A continuous trail of blood. Do you understand how the devil tried to stop Christ from ever being born, church? I mean, he tried to destroy David. He just tried to destroy that seed line. But the devil is a failure. You hear me? He didn't succeed, friend. And Christ was born. And Christ grew up. And then began his public ministry. And on several different occasions, they tried to take him. I mean, they, they, the devil, listen, the devil sent his crowd uh, to apprehend him on several occasions, uh, and he just passed right through him. Uh, I mean, his hour was not yet come. See, that letter C stands for a continuous uh, trail of blood. Uh, you say, Lord, help Brother Buster, they seven letters here. Uh, we'll be here all night. Oh, just hang on, I'm going to move on. Uh, that letter A. At letter A in Calvary uh, stands for the agony of his sufferings. Uh, 
I'm talking about Calvary, friend. Bloody Calvary. Where they took the Son of God and nailed Him to the cross. Now, if you'll notice, if you took your Bible, and if you begin to read in Luke chapter number 22, and if you was to get down to about verse number 41, the Bible said He was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed. He's took His disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. He takes Peter, James, and John and goes with them a little further. And He left them and went about a stone's cast. And He knelt down and prayed. If you'll study your Bible thoroughly, He prayed. And Matthew teaches us three times that night. And every prayer was an hour in interval. He prayed over three hours that night. And this is what He was saying in verse 42. Father... If thou be willing, uh, remove this cup from me. Uh, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Now, some people, I've read from modern theologians, uh, and they say right here, Jesus, uh, Christ was fringing from death. Uh, they're saying that he was scared uh, and that he was afraid to die. That's a lie, friend. He said, for this cause that came I into the world. He said, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. This signifying what death that he should die. Hey, he came to die, friend. He knew that was his destination. But what's going on right here, preacher Satan? You see, he's in the garden of Gethsemane. Excuse me, there you see the place of the cup. There's an invisible cup that's before him. And in that cup, I believe, was all the sins of humanity. I mean, all the way from Adam to the last individual that will ever be born. The sin of the rapist, that child molester, the sin of incest, the sins of murderers, whoremongers, dopers, and drunkards, and your sins, and your sins, and your sins, and my sins. I mean, you must understand that he never committed a sin. That he was the pure, spotless son of God Almighty. A few years ago, there was a lot of debate and a lot of argument about could Christ have sinned if he had wanted to sin. The answer is an emphatic no, because he had no sin nature within him. You hear me? He was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. He was tempted, but he never, never committed a sin. But now wait a minute, there in that garden, he sees something out in front of him, and there's an invisible cup, as it were, and in that cup is all the sins. Uh, you see, he's sinless. He's pure. Right? He's spotless. Right? Yeah. You see, we were born sinners. Yeah. We came into the world with a sinful nature, friend. But to him, it was so repulsive. Right? And he backed up a little bit. Right? And he said, Father, right? if thou be willing, remove right? this cup right? from me. Right? And he prayed three different times that night. Right? Luke 22 said, right? and verse 44, and being in an agony, right? his sweat became, as it were, great drops of blood uh, falling down to the ground. Uh, you know what medical science says happened right there? He prayed in such an agony. Uh, he prayed with such st stress uh, and praying so hard uh, around every sweat pore in the human body. There's a little blood vessel uh, and they begin to rupture. They begin to burst uh, and blood uh, and sweat uh, begin to drop off his face. 
there's the sins of all the world. And he's saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Not the cup of death. Not the cup of death, but this cup of having to become sin. You say, wait a minute, preacher. You mean to tell me he became sin? That's exactly right. Second yes, Corinthians 5.21 For he that knew no sin was made sin right. that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And you know what he was? In, 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 in a picture, he was our cupbearer. Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer in the book of Nehemiah. Every time they brought a beverage to the king, the cupbearer would take that beverage and take a drink of it. And if the cupbearer didn't fall down dead, then they knew nobody was trying to assassinate the king. That was Nehemiah's job. Don't you understand that's what Jesus did for us? He took the cup of sin and the cup of separation and the cup of suffering. And he said, Father, if there's no other way, I will be done. And that night he took that cup, as it were, and he drank its bitter dredges to the very bottom. And he took our sins and made himself to become sin for us. That's exactly right, friend. And I can't, we can't comprehend that. We can't really understand what a torture and what a torment and what an agony it was to the mind of the Son of God who was pure and holy and undefiled and separate from sinners. And yet, He was made sin. He was made sin for you. You understand that? He that knew no sin was made sin. He was made sin. That's right. That's exactly what this Bible teaches us. You see, the Bible tells us, and is it not Hebrews chapter 2? I believe it is, verse number 9. Is that the verse I'm looking for? I make you Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little Lord and the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. You hear me? He became our cupbearer. Here you see, this A is the agony. The agony. He prayed in that garden till his sweat became as great drops of blood. Yeah. And then you know what happened after that? You'll find him at Gabbatha. That's the place of chastisement in John 19, 13. The Bible said when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth, set down the judgment seat in the place that is called the pavement. And the Bible said, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. Gabbatha was the place of chastisement. That's where they took the Son of God, and that's where they scourged him with a cat of nine tails. It was called a scourge. It had a wooden handle with leather wrapped around it, about a foot and a half to two foot long. Historians give off the end of that leather handle, fell nine leather thongs, sufficiently long enough to wrap around a man. And Josephus, the great Jewish historian, said in the ends of that piece of leather, they'd put a piece of broken bone, sharpened glass, or a piece of a metal object, so that it, when it hit the flesh, it would sink in and tear in, and then when the scourger would pull it away, it would rip and lacerate the flesh. They scourged the back, and listen, the Bible said in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses said, 40 lashes save one. But that was Jewish custom. Right. The Jews didn't scourge Jesus. The Roman soldiers did. Right. And they knew no law. They thrived on inflicting right. pain. 
I was in Jerusalem several years ago. Had the privilege to go to Israel. They took us to the place they thought was Gabbatha. It had been a place where men had been scourged in days gone by. Whether it was the literal place where Christ was scourged, they wanted to say it was, but I don't really know. But inside there, we got down underneath that building and it was a marble floor. There were trenches that were cut in that marble floor that came to a place in the middle like where a basin would be. There was marble pillars uh, from the floor to the ceiling. Uh, and I said, I, I, I'd studied some of this and I'd read about this. Uh, our God said what they would do, uh, they'd strip all the raiment, all the clothing off the individual. Take his hands and tie them around that marble pillar and then take his legs and pull them and tie them. Uh, and he would be, be just fastened to that thing. Uh, and his back would be laid open bare. Uh, and that scourge, uh, Josephus said they kept it in salt water uh, to keep that infection. Can you see him pick that thing up? And as he drags it across that marble floor, do you hear the sickening sound of the metal objects and the glass objects? And then with a flick of his wrist and a wish in the air right across the back of the Son of God. And I see the lead and the metal and the sharpened glass. Dig in! And then he begins to jerk it down. And over and over and over again. Isaiah said, and his visage was so marred more than the sons of men. I'm telling you, the Bible said in the book of Psalms, the plowers have plowed long upon my back. They've made their furrows. That's what they did to the back of the Son of God. It ain't like you see in some of these pictures. A few little red stripes across his back. Now, medical science says the first ten lashes took off all the outer skin on your back. And then the next ten lashes begin to knit nerves and arteries. And from there on it begin to cut through the muscle and the sinew. You know what runs down the middle of your back? Your spinal column. That's the central nervous system of your body, friend. And all the nerves come off of that spinal column. Right. They were nicking that. And Josephus said many of a man that was scourged where it would hit so much around the stomach and the abdomen that it would cut open and literally the intestines would gush out on the ground and men would die. They said sometimes one of those nine leather throngs would get away from the rest and hit a man in the face and an eye would literally be just ripped open, lacerated. They beat the back of the Son of God unmercifully. I see that old whip coming across that marble floor time and time again. I believe where he would jerk it loose behind him. I believe particles of flesh. I believe there was a bloody mess there. You say, preacher, did Jesus really feel pain? Hey, sure he did, friend. He was God, yet he was man. He was man, yet he was God. Every time that whip hit him, that excruciating pain ran through his body. But the only thing he ever said was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Josephus said many times when a man would walk away, they said you could look at a man and see his and you could see his intestines, you could see his his lungs, you could see his internal organs inside that back of where they be. Horrible scene, isn't it? I'm talking about the agony, friend. You know who he did that for? Many historians believe. This is where they took the Lord Jesus. And Luke talks about this. They blindfolded the Son of God. And they spit upon Him. They spit upon Him. They, they hit Him with their very hands. And, and slapped the face and hit the face of the Son of God. And they beat Him with their feet. Now, not a bone of Christ was broken. This is amazing. 
Not a bone was broken. But every joint, every bone was out of joint. I can prove that to you, ladies and gentlemen. There's about 318 joints in your body. 318 joints, and every one of them was out of joint in the body of the Son of God. Listen to what the Bible said. Psalms 22, the Bible said in verse number, I was reading this while ago, in verse number, I believe it's verse number 14, I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. All my, 318, I believe it is, joints, they beat every joint of the Son of God out of joint. Every bone was out of joint. And the miracle was not a bone of him was broken. God had prophesied that. Not a bone would be broken. But every joint in his body was out. Do you see his jaw out of joint? Do you see him? He's been beaten in the face. They spit upon him in Mark. And then they took a crown of thorns and they crowned him. Somebody there at that praetorium said, well, he said he's the king of the Jews. Every king needs a crown. So they plaited, the Bible said they plaited. That word means to wove together. They plaited a crown of thorns. Probably as big as the top of this pulpit. And I doubt they handled it with their hands. The Bible said, the next portion of that verse said, and they beat him on the head with a reed. There's a possibility that they had that reed through that cross, had the Son of God to kneel down, and they sat that thing on his head, pulled the reed out, and not a flimsy little reed down here by the lake, but something like a cane pole, and then they began to drive it and beat it down on the brow of the Son of God. Do you see those thorns coming down by his eyes? Do you see him pricking down through his ears and down the back of his neck? And blood, blood is just flowing. Then they clear their throats. They draw from their sinus cavities and, and flame and spittle. And, and they cover. They spit. They cover. It's exactly what they did. Isaiah said, Isaiah 50 and verse 6, I gave my back to the smiters. And my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I don't care what you believe or what you think you believe. I believe Jesus had facial hair, friend. They didn't take a pair of tweezers and pull out a little piece of beard like on my face. I believe the Lord wore facial beard in that day. I see them reaching up and grabbing handfuls of hair. And they pluck it out. Just begin to grab his beard. Just jerk it out. You see that? Just jerking it out. That's it. You know what else happened right there at Praetorium in the garrison? They blindfolded him. And they walked around and they said, prophesy, who is it that smote thee? That was, that was told us that it would happen in Psalms 22. For Psalms 22, David said, many bulls have compassed me. The strong bulls of Bashan beset me around. Psalms 22 is a messianic psalm that deals with the crucifixion and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. You know what those bulls would do in that day? I've read where those bulls would find a little lamb out there, a little weak lamb, a lamb separated from the flock, and they would circle it. And they'd go round and round, snorting and pawing it to ground it from the blind side. One of those bulls would come rushing in and hit that little old lamb, and get back in the pack, and another one, and another one would run in and hit it, and hit it, and hit it. You know, they blindfolded the Son of God and walked around him and, and one by one come by and slap and hit the face. They hit him so much that every bone was out of joint. Every bone was out of joint. I see his nose splattered across his face. I see blood coming out of his ears. Blood coming out of his mouth. His jawbone's out of joint. His neck's out of joint. Every joint of his body, every bone was out of joint. It's not the picture you see that they portray. Spit and flames covered them. 
got an old, old burgundy type, an old scarlet colored piece of cloth on it. And you know what the Bible said in Psalms 22? The Bible said, the Bible said, the, the, the strong, let me read it. I could quote it, but I think I need to read it first. The Bible said, here many bulls have come past me, strong bulls of Bashan beset me around. Then he said, they gape upon me with their mouths as a raven and a roaring lion. And you know what a raven and a roaring lion would do? That's young lions. Older lions never rave and never roar till they stalk and kill their prey. They'll put their paws upon the dead prey. And an older lion will let that blood-curdling scream out. But young lions, they'd, get, they'd run in packs. They'd catch a little innocent animal. And they'd get it somewhere where it couldn't get out. Like, a, like in the back of a little place, a rock place. Couldn't get out. And the young lions would toy with it. And they'd run in. And what they'd do, they'd bite a piece of flesh off of it and jerk it loose and leave it lair, quivering and bleeding. And it'd stagger to its feet. And another young lion would run in. And you say, what are you saying, preacher Satan? I'm telling you, I believe with all of my heart that in Praetorium that night, one of them said, didn't he say, if we don't eat his flesh and drink his blood, we have no part of him. And I mean from mockery. I believe they took the arm of the Son of God and gaped upon him with their mouths and jerked off hunks of flesh and spit it out. I believe they naturally know. That's what that's teaching me. Take the point of the mouth as a raven around his face rightly hitting the feet. You see it? It's all Oh, I don't have to wait to Easter to celebrate. Hallelujah, the cross. Every day of the child of God's life. We ought to bow before the Son of God and thank Him for what He's done. They took Him, pulled Him out of the garrison, Victorium, the common hall, led Him over to Golgotha, the place of crucifixion. The Bible teaches us in John 19, verse 16, Then delivered Him, He, Him, that's Pilate, delivered Him, Christ, therefore, to a place, to be crucified into a place called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. They took him out from the Praetorium. They took him out. Historians that I've read, you see, this was the Passover time. Listen, every Jew in the world was in Jerusalem. And any time that somebody was going to be was crucified, it was like a public gathering. Much like they used to do public, public, public hangings. The whole town would show up. I've read where they made gauntlet lines, lines of people. And there, from where Christ came out of Praetorium, out of that common hall, down through the Kidron Valley, over to the place called Gordon's Calvary, the place of the skull, where they believe Christ was crucified, is about a thousand long steps. And by the way, he's carrying a cross, friend. I believe the Bible said, and he bearing his cross. His cross, you understand? But in reality, what is cross? You must understand, I don't mean to be vulgar, and don't you take it that way. The artists have been kind. The artists portray a loincloth draped around the Son of God's loins, but it wasn't like that. He hung in open, naked shape. As they brought him out of that praetorium, they took off that scarlet robe, and the bloody began to coagulate a little bit clot. They jerked that robe off of that cold air in his back and them nerves. I mean, it shot through his body. His hair's been plucked from his face. His bones are out of joint. And they take a big old, I don't I believe he carried the whole cross. Believe what you want to believe. I know some think he only carried the cross member. I believe he carried a whole cross, probably 12 to 14 feet in length. Probably 250 to 300 pounds of the cross. And they probably knelt it down and kneel down. And they sunk that thing down. And dropped it! It wasn't 
smooth furniture like this oh. right here. Rough-hewed lumber! Not that on his back. Probably pulled his hands up and tied it to him. I see Jesus spread over his eyes. He begins to stagger to his feet. Because he had his eyes set like a flame. He is one of us. I believe I understand that he made There was blood splattered here. Blood splattered. Yeah. You hear me? Medical science says by now he's lost anywhere from eight to nine packs of blood. There's only about 12 to 14 packs of blood in a man's body my size. And they said he should have been in a state of shock. Hey, they said there's no way a man could even stand up, much less carry a cross. This wasn't an ordinary man. Amen. This wasn't no ordinary man, friend. Amen. Hey, the you see it? I told you a while ago they made dogma class this morning. I read when they let the little kids take sticks and down to be I have read where historians said they would just reach over and pick up human waste, judge, and throw it on the individual. That was to be Christian. There goes God's holy devout There in his cross. But in reality, God. I mean, there's over 12 legions of angels that are standing the sword of God. I mean, I believe they were looking. But in reality, I mean, there's over 12 legions of angels that are standing the sword of God. I mean, I believe they were looking for justice. Just any kind of a, just any kind of a look from Christ. He said, he told Simon Peter to put up your sword. He said, I, at any given time, I could call that, well, we can. He knew he had to do this. He had to wise to purchase the bride. To purchase you that's what he did with her. He purchased me. He went over a thousand steps. He stepped to the cross. He looked up his hands and laid me. I believe he took that cross off of him. I believe he used his gift with me. I hear that city say, get ready to grab him. He'll run! Like all he did, he'll come to the house. I see. I see Jesus right here. That's what they were going to do. That's what they were going to do. That's what they were going to do. I don't believe in secret parties in here. The word of hand needs to be the fingers of the middle of the district. There's two bones that run parallel through here. Right through here. See the weight of a man's hand right here is full thumb through the hand. It's just full thumb through the hand. But right here, two bones. On the right finger, they throw those spots. Right through those two scores, two bones. Not a bone is broken. You see, that's the, it's not about pain, right? That's the one that bone. They say there's nerves that run through there that help to control your diaphragm. Thank you. 
that long to give up of his hand. He was up to the back of his feet. Those of his feet with his hands for him. From 9 o'clock in the morning to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Six long hours. Hear me? Talking about this house. I'm not even talking about that letter. But that letter, the greatest display of the love of God. You say, oh, I see the love of God in nature, preacher. I see the love of God in the forest. I see it. No, you see God's majesty. You look up in the heavens and see the permanent. That's His handiwork. But if you want to behold His love, friend, Go to Boy, back in the back. The story said he was a little boy. He had tattered clothes on, and he only had one shirt. He only had one shirt. And he just 
and hellions and rebels and rapists and sodomites and, and, and a bunch of... Hey, you hear me? I, no way! Thank you. 
He didn't say I am finished. He knows all things are now finished. And he pulled up one more time. He said, Father, and I have been Bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. Don't come to me and tell me he died because of off the blood. Don't come and tell me that spear that was driven through his side up into the, his heart and pierced the sack that surrounded the heart and therefore come out blood and water. Uh, don't tell me! Hey, he will He said, I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. No, man! They didn't kill him. Roman soldiers didn't kill him. The lack of oxygen didn't kill him. It wasn't the loss of blood that killed him. He will kill That's a glory. I see death got a hold of Get that? Oh, yeah, get that. But every day when corruption, when Papa Devil would check in and say, How's it going? Corruption would come back to Papa Devil and say, Devil, I've been sitting my head in that tomb every day and I've tried to take my feet into that body to set in corruption. But there's something about this body. I can't get no corruption started in it. Uh, hey, I'm telling you. That just wasn't any ordinary body laying in there. Uh, I mean, corruption couldn't set in. Uh, and corruption said, every time I stick my head in, uh, all I can smell is a rose of Sharon uh, and the lily of the valley. I don't understand this. I believe when Jesus said, Right down in the pan. Checked into hotels there. Yeah, the Grim Reaper. In my mind, I see the Grim Reaper. Registration, I've said to the many of you, sign my name, but my life is all credit cards, family, and everything. Always had to sign my name. I said, yes, I'm going to You troubled us. You raised Garrison's daughter. You got Lazarus up. And you broke up a funeral procession with the widow name. off the girdle of death. He said, you won't be these no more, big boy. And the Lord had the keys to death, hell, and the grave. It's a poor businessman that don't have the keys to his own business, friend. And Jesus stepped over into paradise. And there was Abel, there was Isaac, there was Jacob. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And he said, you don't have to wait no longer. Here I am. I am the Son of God. And he said, boys, we're going to hang around here 72 hours. As Jonah was three days and three nights. Hey, Brother Jonah, I see you down there. As you were three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so must the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. But on the 72nd hour, he said, I'm pulling a jailbreak that this world ain't never seen. And I'm going to tell you what he did, friend. He resurrected. Ah, uh, resurrected. Up from the grave. Up from the grave. Yes. Stop saying that. 
I believe she is. 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 I believe you know what I believe he did? I believe that was angels that gathered every drop of blood. Even from the day he was eight days old when they stuck him fast. Every drop of blood. And I see him going up to heaven. Well, if you want to be the blessed, you know the song, chapter 24. Read that song. That's that triumphal song. And that Bible said in verse 24, verse 10, I wasn't going to That Bible said, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be you lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of Glory shall come in. Somebody there begins to question this and said, Who is the King of Glory? And the answer comes back, The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Amen. He said, that's who it is. And Sunday begin to lift up them gates and welcome him in. Angels fall down prostrate. He walks before the throne of God. And that on the mercy seat in the heavenlies, he placed his blood. Thank you. 
thing for the return. Yeah. Hey, we couldn't that out there. Yeah. Why, well, the gospel to me would be the place where God has the whole thing in about that. He wants to say, hey, Jesus. I can stand here for the help of God, folks, sisters. I mean, with the help of God, he that shall come will come and he will not carry. You don't have to say the Lord carry. They wouldn't be any thunder and any lightning. He didn't tell us they wouldn't be any storms. But he said, just wait till then. I will be back. And that old dad turned that off that elevator, ran out there and grabbed that boy, picked him up, pulled him under the awning. He said, son, why didn't you get under the awning? He said, dad, you told me to wait right here. And you said you'd be back. I promise you, Jesus said, if I go away, I will come again. Don't you doubt that. I know it's the year 2000. Don't worry about it. Yeah, He's yeah, coming back. Yeah. And he'll be back right on. Amen, brother. I say amen. I'm so glad many of you know. I'm glad nobody much that the other kids are more older than that. Never did I feel the whole when the devil drags up your past to remind him of his future and tell him he's going to hell one day. He's going to the pit to spend a thousand years and then he's going to the lake of fire three times.
First time he came to redeem, first time he came to die, first time he came back to raise. First time he came in poverty, next time he came back to First time he came in meekness, next time he came in magic. First time he was crowned with gold, next time he came back to the same thing. He'll be wet. And he'll be crowned too much. First time he was rejected by his own, that is his well. Next time he comes back, take his feet on this planet. Zacharias says, so as soon as he goes, he's a legislative tribulation. He's a legislative Christ doesn't have scars. There's no scars in Christ's body. Zacharias 13, they say, where did you get these words? You're going to look up the Hebrew word word. It means an open, fresh word. When you see the Lord, friend, you're not going to see scars in his body. You're going to see. I believe it will be the Lord. You're going to see what the one, one second you'll see is not as good. In Revelation 1, just a girdle about his girdle, about his girdle, his golden girdle, and, and, and a white linen, the outfit of the world, hair as white as wool, and eyes like a fire, and, and a voice like thunder. One second you'll see him glorified state, and the next second you'll see him as the wounded lamb, as the slain lamb. Oh, yes, he's going to let us see We're going to see him as he was. Amen. Amen. I promise you then. They will worship him. I promise you then our knees will pop and our lay down on our prostrate on our faces and we'll worship him. At the time when he comes back, he won't be right with us. Coming back right to my Lord. Thank God for The Apostle Paul, I've used this verse as my life verse probably for the last 18 years if I've ever signed you a Bible. I, out of all, I used to sign Proverbs chapter number three, verse three, four, five. Then one day God gave me this one as my own. God forbid that I should save in the cross. You hear me? There's anything we can do. Aren't you glad you took that Aren't you glad you won't have to die and go to church? Uh, he, he's thirsty that you might break in the bank and the water. He was forsaken and abandoned that God might accept you. Are you saved tonight? How many of you can look this straight down and raise your hand and say, Thank God I'm saved and grateful. Saved and proud of you. It wouldn't hurt just to wait a little bit. That might not hurt a bit. Would that work? Just wait a little bit. Might not help if you get the other one. Might be the only time you'll ever do. Can you get both of them up? Oh, yeah. Father, I pray that you serve the message tonight. Get maximum glory to the Lord. Lord, I don't have words. I don't have vocabulary. I do want to publicly pray for these people. Thank you, Lord, for that. You did it for every person in the You did it for every man, woman, boy, but somehow, Lord, revive our hearts to go out and continue to share the gospel to a lost and dying world. Lord, don't let us forget that. Keep us near the cross. Let the passage that comes to conclude the invitation.